Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Is Pod Yourself Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and and talk talk about about it. it. Thank you so much for listening to the world's only The Wire podcast. And I want to thank every piggy out there for being so patient while they were waiting for their slop. Um, you know, we, uh, we like to take little breaks in between seasons. And, uh, I understand that for the pigs out there, you're ravenous swine and you want your, your, your slop as soon as possible. And I think every single one I of you, I gotta have my slop. And yeah. I gotta have my slop is for kids or pigs. There it is. Um, there's a few serial references there pigs. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I thank you all for waiting patiently by your trough, uh, waiting for the, uh, the, the content to, uh, pop up again. And, uh, you are being rewarded because here we are, we're back. We're talking about the wire. Um, before we get started, uh, obviously the five stars in review, you know, I love that. But also March 17th, if you are in Sacramento, St. Patrick's day, is it really St. Patrick's day? Oh, St. Patrick's day. Do you like, no- how do you is it always March 17th? Yeah, it's always March 17th. Wow, that's weird that I didn't know that. I feel bad. I yeah, feel you like, should feel bad. I feel like a bad person. Well, yeah. St. Patty's Day. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, hey, if you are in Sacramento on March 17th, that's Sunday, March 17th in Sacramento, I will be co-headlining the punchline with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. Um, come through. If you aren't drinking until you piss yourself, or yes. maybe if you are, come to Even the punchline. Watch yes. Matt do jokes. It's going to be so much fun, uh, and my wife's going to be there, and we're all going to just like have such a good time. And you know what? You can get drunk at the show. It's allowed. So mm. please come to Sacramento Punchline. Like not super loudly. Even if you do, I don't give a shit as long as we sell out. If we if we can sell it out, then you can you know go over there. And you guys heard it here. Heckle the shit out of beer. Matt if you want. Heckle me. I don't care. I'll destroy you and make a clip out of it. Mm-hmm. And it'll be comedian destroys already crying man. Um, <laughs> and you know it'll it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, the tickets will be available uh, are available now, and you can go to uh, Sac. What is it? Punchlinesack.com, or you can uh, click the link in the show notes. All right. Hey, I got a punchline sack for you right here. Hey, I'm going to punch some sacks. Yeah. You know, people Mm, love that joke. You can do that on stage in the audience. No matter how many times they've heard it, they'll be like, ha ha, yeah, we are named after testicles. (laughs) So I love that town. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about from season five of The Wire, episode two, unconfirmed reports. And our guest today uh, is uh, another another banger of a guest. Uh, this person uh, is a John Hopkins University graduate, a uh, Huffington Post senior politics reporter and listener of this very podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, our guest today is Daniel Mary. What's up? Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here, man. Very excited. Well, you know, uh, you and I have been, uh, you know, talking online for years now. Um, You're one of our few, like, listeners who is um, also a, uh, uh, you know, in the world of journalism. And uh, I was thinking this whole time, as soon as we got to 
this season, uh, Daniel, we got to have you on. We need some you, journalists. We need from journalists. Baltimore, especially. Yes. Exactly. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've stood at the loading dock <laughs> of my big local journalism outlet in a <laughs> mid-sized post-industrial city. No, uh, um, standing I, there with your editor talking about, yeah, you, uh, know. you know, how there's not, you know, any more buxom blondes in the news. <laughs> you what certainly happened? don't hear, I mean, statuesque blondes, they're no, extinct. And, they're an extinct and, race. And so are khakis that look like, you know, they're made, they have, they're like sort of the circumference of Janko jeans, you know, that, that <laughs> yeah, they were also... roomy though. Those <laughs> yeah. were nice. You could I fit mean... a lot of notebooks in your pocket when those were popular. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of yellow legal pads and, and pants. And, I mean, back when journalists were a significant po- enough population that it was a like it was a target demo. The journalist yeah. khaki, not stylish, but you could cram a lot of. You got to look important, and, you know. Yeah, you got to look like uh, you know someone who's really got their ear to the ground. You know, someone with a lot of uh, shoe leather. You know, mm-hmm, one of those mm-hmm. uh, pockets uh, filled with shoe leather. Yeah, and a my... pocket full of shoes. <laughs> that's uh rage see i was i went to spin doctors but that's cool too. yeah well you know we did our best um so daniel uh first question do you like the wire i do i love it i've seen it i mean i i go on and off my, one of my problems is that while the fourth season is fantastic it's always just really soul crushing so yeah sometimes i'll I'll like stop at three, you know, go switch to another show and then oh, I like pick that. fourth season back up. But I've probably seen it through about three times. And mm. I should just add, just so I don't seem like a complete pretentious prick. Uh-huh. Uh, the reason I suggested you mentioned I went to Hopkins is just because I learned about it when I was there as an undergrad, like from 2006 to 2010. So it had already... I don't know, it was like sort of coterminous with it being on air, but yeah. it also kind of... Those of us who were undergrads there, we were like, you know, it's about Baltimore. And did you see that spot? And yeah, and and it just kind of. That's why I brought it. Up. I you could go up hang because... out with Snot Boogie, like on a on a break. Right. Or uh... I was doing well, that. Snot Boogie I was dead, doing that all the time. Right. I mean, the closest well, when he was still encounter alive. I had with the world of the wire was as a freshman. I had a work study gig teaching GED in oh. a neighborhood that is called. Some people call it middle. <laughs> the uh, middle east baltimore um (laughs) other people call it the down the hill neighborhood it's just like north of the medical campus yeah they were doing a bunch of like eminent domain stuff there to build the new hopkins biotech park which wasn't controversial at all and um (laughs) no i can't can't imagine it was um but i mean you know it's complicated uh because i mean some people were like uh you know maybe maybe the houses they're rebuilding are better but yeah it was weird yeah and uh yeah i I, and then, and then, in fitting wire fashion, I learned the following year that the Department of Labor had cut the grant, and so this sweet fifteen dollar a gig job I had Damn. teaching kids from really different backgrounds was it was no gone. Available, yeah. Damn, and then you have to get a job uh, for less pay, um, aka journalism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I brought up the the John Hopkins thing is because we we you know we uh, don't have that many. Um, is it people. John? It's Johns Hopkins, right? It is. He had what? that. He had that waspy thing where Johns his, Hopkins. His first name was his mom's maiden name. You know how mm. they used to do that. 
He was a 19th century. Wait. He was a slavery abolitionist. I Is this like Ruth's Chris? Yeah, Carl's Jr. Or but, Carl's <laughs> Jr.'s? Yeah. But no, but no, but no possessive. There's no apology. Oh, it's not possessive. It's yeah. not it's yeah. not like this is my Hopkins and I'm John. <laughs> no, it's it was multiple John's. John's. Yeah. The last name was John's. Yeah, yeah, no, the first yeah. name was John. No, I know, okay. but the mother's maiden's name, yeah. the last name was John's. Yeah, we're caught yeah. up, dude. John's, they named their kid John's. I don't like it. I don't like it either, but I don't that's, like it. Yeah, no, it's the way um, it is. Who's your favorite character on a wire? It's tough to pick, but especially you have at, to. Okay, no, no, I know. <laughs> I was just prefacing. Uh, I would say Prop Joe. He's kind of yeah. He's he's, he's cool. wise. He can be cold though at the same time, and yeah. especially as we're winding down, he has this this particular arc that's really tragic. And yeah. obviously, there was the funny one where he. Called up the law of his, his oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. This is uh, uh, Peppa, Peppa and Sea Salt or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah. yeah. No, Prop Joe is great. I mean, he's everything you want from The Wire. He's like, a, you know, he's a cool guy. Uh, you know, he's like a cool, quiet gangster. Doesn't have a gun. He fixes clocks and shit. And he's um, got a catchphrase. And he's got, got a, a proposition fucking, for Yeah, you. he's got a fucking catchphrase. And his nickname is intertwined in the catchphrase. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, we're talking yeah, a lot of symmetry there. We're talking a, a show, a, a, almost a different show. You know, The Wire is like they wanted to be a few things, but it ended <laughs> up being uh, uh, an amalgamation of a lot of great things. Um, mm-hmm. But this isn't a show about The Wire. No, this is a show about <laughs> The Wire. And we cannot, of course, start the pod without first playing the theme song. Ooh, it's, this is the first time I'm hearing the new gone, season. Pod. Pod. Podcast. Podcast. The newsroom. Fake serial killer. Pod. <laughs> Season five. <laughs> All right, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else. Once again, today we are talking about from season five of The Choir, episode two, unconfirmed reports. Uh, and this episode came out on January 13th, 2008. Uh, Vince, break us off a little piece of that synopsis. Although he tells Sidner the Davis investigation could be a career case, Freeman keeps a wary eye out for Marlowe, who takes care of some unfinished business and strikes a business deal with Barksdale. Uh, that's the official synopsis, and I added in. Also, Jimmy invents a serial killer, and Gus starts to smell a rat. Yeah, the, I, which I would say the two much more important important yeah uh you know fucking like plot lines in the story um but hey that's that's just us well, you know, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. Yeah. what do we know we're just people that watch this all the what time. do we know uh but vince i feel hmm. like i even Go if on. i were to watch the show i wouldn't off your chest i wouldn't know what 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 it meant no you know no. like what was happening that's right time. we cannot cannot evaluate art Divorced from its cultural context, we got to put 
some of that cultural context back in, in just just to understand it and put it right in there uh-huh. uh, and we do that with a little something that we like to call the back in the day machine it's a bad time for newspapers the news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline there ain't no back in the day machine tells the tale son that's right um we're going all the way back today to january 13th 2008 year of our lord great year um, you know, this great season, Lord, great Lord. Sure. Um, this season, uh, has to do with opening day That's at, right. uh, Orioles park. I feel like they could have named it more, something more interesting than Orioles park. Right. Couldn't they? You know, I miss that. There's a, you know, like as someone who grew up, uh, near Dodger stadium, mm. um, yeah, well, not so much near it, but with Dodger stadium, uh, you know, it's nice that there you part, you know, parks used to not just be named after gum companies. No, I know? like it when it was just like a random dude's name, like Joe Robbie stadium or whatever. Yeah, no, that's true. That, that was, that's also fun. But, uh, yeah. you know, listen, now I live, uh, near crypto.com arena. Yeah. And I miss the days when you it was named. You can't stop buying crypto and you wish you could cause your family's starving. My family is starving, but I'm just positive that I'm going to make even more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I miss the days when it used to be called Staples Center, and that was <laughs> named after Mr. Stapleston. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Chris Stapleton, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah like I said, this season uh, got some baseball tie-ins, and uh, we got a baseball story from the New York Post. Hey, uh, Headline, Juice Gotta Be Kidding. Uh <sighs> A fed-up Yankees fan is suing the team he spent his life rooting for because they feel the juiced-up players and broke the promise of an honest game. Mm. Matthew Mitchell wants exactly $221, the price of tickets for five games he attended between 2002 and 2007. Uh, the disgusted diehard, a 30-year-old paralegal, filed a claim against his former favorite team last week in Brooklyn Small Claims Court. These tickets were purchased based on a lie! <laughs> I look at it almost as a consumer fraud, Mitchell said, about the use of performance-hancing drugs in the major leagues. If I'm going to watch a baseball game, then I expect it to be real. Yeah, I don't, I don't come here expecting to see Superman, some sort of Nietzschean monsters <laughs> created by modern science. I come here to see fat guys hit little ball. Yeah, uh, I think this <laughs> I mean- guy should... Major League Baseball should make him pay the court fees uh, for being a bitch because uh, baseball was only good when they were doing steroids and <laughs> you should just shut up. Wasn't that, those were like the good That was days the best years. Barry Bonds, he might have hit a home run every time, maybe three times. Who knows? I mean, Daniel, do you, do you remember, did you ever watch baseball growing up? Yeah, so most of my sports knowledge ends around 2003, four, or, or no, sorry. After and, the Lakers like, repeat? Uh-huh. No, like by the oh. time I was getting toward college or young adulthood. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. So I know, I know a lot about 90s and early 2000s sports. And yeah, I love the McGuire Sosa home run. I was the best. That was. That it was, was awesome. Amazing. I was like, these guys, they're hitting home runs so good. And then people were like, they're on steroids. And I was just like, cool. Good. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was, yeah. It was almost as good as when Barry Bonds hit 75 home runs or whatever it was. 71, I thought. 72? We, I think we covered this before, but we never remember the actual number. Yeah, it's because it's record. a lie. That's all we know. No, I, the, one, the, the only person who's not allowed to take steroids is Barry Bonds. 
I thought, you know. 73. 73. Well, mm-hmm. we all missed it. Yeah, well, that's fun. But yeah, no, uh, Giants, any um, San Francisco Giants who take uh, performance enhancing drugs should be, um, uh, what is it called? Quartered? Drawn, Drawn and quartered. quartered. Drawn and quartered, mm-hmm. yeah. That's where they put your your limbs on horses, right? Yeah, they make the horses go different directions. That's the quartered part. Yeah, the, the drawn, the drawn is, is when they pull your yeah. intestines out, which instead of doing the kind of side by side motion that is part of digestion, it just feels really painful, like the worst kind of gas you've ever had, but over and over and over again. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> Wait, well, they, they pull your intestines out and then they have do the horse thing. Yeah, they make you. Yeah. They turn you into spaghetti squash. <laughs> but why start because i feel like you've ever the, seen braveheart <laughs> yeah you know i'll be honest i've never seen braveheart what isn't that isn't that crazy oh, i've never seen i've seen bits and pieces stop of the pod. it stop the pod. <laughs> we could always pot ourselves a brave heart we could brave ourselves <laughs> a heart but i mean i'm just saying it's like one of those movies that i, I did but they take your intestines out first that's the drawn part yep yeah and then they and they up. make the horses. Anyway, uh, we got other things to put the context back in. Um, okay, one thing fine. that you need to know uh, also uh, to really situate yourself in 2008. Okay. Also from the New York Post. They were kind of on fire with the headlines on this day. I'm just going to say it. Uh, John's kid is a hot McBabe. John's kid? Any, uh, any guesses who that's okay, about? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. John's kid is a hot McBabe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, clearly we're talking about an Irish. Um, so someone is a hot uh, Mick babe, John John Mick. Who is the who is the Irish John? I don't know. I have no idea. She's young. She's hot, and her dad's running for president. Megan McCain, John McCain, the, oh. the twenty-three-year-old daughter of Republican <laughs> Senator John McCain, has taken to the stage of her father's campaign with a zeal that's very un-Chelsea Clinton. How dare they? Uh, what the fuck are they with a zeal? <laughs> zeal for what? Like just like carbs? I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. She's even serving up a behind-the-scenes view of his surging campaign at her McCain blogette blog. The online diary features photos and videos of the blonde schmoozing with supporters, cozying up to reporters, and goofing around. Notice they didn't say statuesque blonde, but they could have said buxom blonde, but they didn't. They, yeah. even, not even the Post was willing to go there. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're extinct. Yeah. The Columbia blog. Oh, nah, sorry. The Columbia grad also shares her obsession with shoes, an eclectic iTunes playlist, and the blue star tattooed on her foot. But after Women's Wear Daily what suggested that, that ma- she has, ta- she's got the- a blue star tattooed on her foot, I don't know. Uh, but after Women's Wear Daily Let suggested, me see them feet pics, though. Let's all look up them feet pics real quick. <laughs> she's just a huge Cowboys fan. That's yeah, she just loves the Cowboys. Yeah. It's either that or she's got a fucking Megan David on. Like, she's got a mm. Star of David. Oh, yeah. Well, we know she does. She loves Israel. But after uh, Women's Wear Daily suggested that Megan McCain could be the next Wonkette, that DC-based gossip blog blasted her in an item titled Department of Your Blog Sucks. Uh yeah, department. So remember of your... that? You guys remember all that? I remember all that. I don't remember. It was it was blo- Wonkette. It was a blog. There was a time. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other signs of the time, maybe not. This is just a regular news story. Uh, will Michigan be Romney's last stand? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. I, let's 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 talk about that. 
But, yeah, no, but, he's uh he's getting he's getting beat by McCain. That's pretty much that story. Yeah. Uh, and uh here's a good one. I do remember this period even more so than Oh, we found her feet. I found her feet. <laughs> I don't really anyway, get feet. I don't care. I don't like it. This is a bad angle for feet. Go sure. ahead. Okay. <laughs> um headline Filters put St. Vincent in class by itself. On move-in day, his freshman year at St. Vincent College, Adam Zorowski set up his computer and typed in a familiar web address, www.collegehumor.com. But instead of being treated to the usual mix of racy images and offbeat articles, he got Mm -hmm. a blue screen indicating the site was off-limits as potentially pornographic. Wait, what what was the site? What was the site? College Humor. Ugh. That's not cool. Go ahead. Colleges are nothing if not defenders of free thought. And what young adults explore on their personal computers is usually their own business. That's right. What if, what if the setting is, I can look at as many Megan McCain feet pics as I want. (laughs) That's right. It's my right. But what if the Mm -hmm. setting is a Catholic campus and the material is sexually explicit faced with that question shortly after taking office in 2006, Six St. Vincent president Jim Toey answered with a policy separating his college from many of its Catholic peers. His school filters out pornography sites from residence hall <clears throat> computers. Gambling sites are blocked too. Bullshit. And film drunk. Fuck you guys. They, they block film drunk? Yeah, a lot of these stupid filters block because they, they blocked college humor too. It was like anything that's ever, if there's a woman, woman that's been on it or if you had nipple in a headline. I don't even know what. Uh, well, you had drunk in it. Yeah, I but guess. But wait, Catholics drink, right? Exactly. That's like one of <laughs> I the mean, main. I mean, if anyone drinks, <laughs> that's the Catholics. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all the they main do. selling point, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, no, it's fine. It's actually blood. <laughs> drink as much as you want it's blood we've changed the mythology so that drinking's part of it <laughs> yeah i remember yeah. those days the goddamn porn filter days oh yeah. yeah yeah those that, were so sucks, much better yeah. that because people still paid for ads back then but those were uh, the days yeah uh finally you know we need another britney up- update yeah and, what's happening with britney it's been a week another, since she uh did some crazy shit last week right yeah we need another banger of a post headline and we got mm-hmm. one in bow of pop wreck a sneaky womanizer bow of pop wreck Bo, uh, okay. I just don't know what wreck is. She's a, that's Britney Spears. She's a pop. She's a pop star, but she's a wreck. So she's a pop wreck. Pop wreck. I didn't see yeah. how it was spelled. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, the lusty lensman squiring Britney Spears around California and Mexico is a motormouth ladies man who's been after her for months. Sources said. Is it Justin Timberlake? No. This is okay. after that. Adnan okay. Galib. Don't remember that one. Uh, the Galib. son of. A, <laughs> Matt, Glebe. Yeah. Matt Glebe Matt <laughs> Alright go ahead The son of a devout Muslim couple in Birmingham England Came to the United States in 1996 Blah 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 He's a paparazzo uh, In June 2003 he was busted when he wormed his way Into Adam Sandler's nuptials uh, A Hollywood <laughs> God, I gotta get that Sandler pick <laughs> People are fiending for this private Sandler moment it's I love the Sandler that. nuptials. Yeah, I, I yeah. won't miss him, mate. We can't can... miss the Sandler nuptials. <laughs> You're going to get the whole cast of grown-ups in there if you get them pictures, yeah? 
Yeah, you, uh, you uh, listen, if there's one thing that people want to see, it's Adam Sandler at his most beautiful. It's him in a it's him in a beautiful tuxedo, yeah. The public, they only used to seeing Adam Sandler when he's all dressed to the nines, ain't they? Yeah. He's, uh, he's, they to, he's made up for the camera. He's, he's all... going Abby Doobie. He's doing weird <laughs> words. They want to see Abby I Doobie. <laughs> you know what I mean? You never catch Adam Sandler in a private moment like he's always you know he's like in a tuxedo he's always uh, looking good always looking good like he <laughs> just stepped out the of cam yeah camera ready no, That's what he doesn't look like him. he's always playing basketball <laughs> nope um, well, that's been. I think we're properly contextualized. You guys feel contextualized? I, I feel it. Okay. One, well, one little pedantic point of order, if I may. Mm-hmm. Oh, please, <laughs> please, please do. Get Mo- there. Most Get people the call the place where the Orioles play Camden Yards. Oh, okay, there uh, you it's, go. It's oh. called like Oriole Park at Camden Yards or something like that. Oh. Uh, but that was renovated in like the early '90s, and I remember taking a tour of the stadium on a uh, you know lower budget family road trip when I was. Yeah quite young it's 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 a cool place and they they play thank god i'm a country boy during the seventh inning stretch which is some real uh wire season two kind of yeah you know yes vibes people <laughs> cows forget. in the yard and the shit's on the griddle thank god i'm a country boy yeah, yeah that's it's a good song it's a banger. people forget baltimore <laughs> you know or maryland south of the mason dixon line so mm-hmm. people you know like you know people be be like you know the baltimore is not the south and it's like it kind of is and it kind of isn't you know yeah and i think it's there a- are people from like appalachia who came up during the kind of industrial boom period and- right and they were like, let's do us weird. That's a good correction, though. See, Camden Yards, like, that's a proper baseball stadium yeah. name. Like, yeah. why would you ever call it Oriole Park if you have Camden Yards? Yeah, like, it sounds some like... guy named Camden. Mm-hmm. Camden. Uh, before we uh, continue on start talking about today's episode, this week's Balmer B story uh, is um, something that uh, I based on the um, song drive by incubus for no real reason you weren't gonna use boston they even had a boston song on the show choke out this homeless guy and then claim that is how he died will i get paid my overtime prove i'm the smartest guy (laughs) he's driven me before hear the rest of the song at the end of the episode as always uh whatever brings marlo down jimmy mcnulty will do it including... i gotta give you credit that's the only time i've never that's the least i've ever hated an incubus song yeah well you know listen uh incubus is one of those bands that like we kind of like we set aside as like oh some 90s band but people forget 
that like Incubus existed at a time where it was like, you couldn't just have a rock band. You mm. had to have a DJ in there going, a wiki, wiki, wiki. That's right. Yeah. Someone had to scratch. <laughs> That's right. They had to scratch. It was it literally up. illegal to have a <laughs> pop song without a guy going, a wiki, wiki, wiki. That's why the pants were so big. You had to fit your DJ equipment you in there. You had to fit your turntables <laughs> in there. Uh, I got two turntables and a huge pair of pants. Where's that? Um, uh, as Dave Schilling, I think it was Dave Schilling who coined this, that you can, you either can be an incubus guy or a sublime guy and you, you can't be both and you're either one or the other. And, uh, it's true. I come but, down hard on the sublime side. Sorry. Yeah, no, me too. I'm more sublimey than, than, than incubusy, but, uh, Hey, you know, <laughs> your incub, you put it right in your incubusy. Oh, put it in my incubusy. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> So, whatever brings Marlo down, Stupid. he'll do it. This episode, I mean, we got a lot, a lot of storyline going on. We have the continuing story of Scott Templeton, the um, you know, the, just a great guy, just a, a little great guy. fucking weasel. This is yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, just just a, an honest uh, reporter trying to do honest reportings. Um, but his mean boss Gus hates him because he's white. Uh, and then that's right. Yeah, do is, we get a like a does does Templeton ever imply that that he's doing and, getting and reverse they, racism? They, they, I, you know what? We'll find out as we watch. So far, I was like looking for it while I was watching, uh, looking to see if at any point that would be brought up because, like, in the episode previous, uh, you know, Gus is kind of doing a thing where he's like. Uh, pretending he doesn't know who this journalist is that the uh mm -hmm. their new big boss is like friends with uh from the school that they're like no don't write that story about how that school is uh still segregated um and he calls him like you know uh jimmy dean or dean you martin. know dean, dean martin dean warmer from animal yeah. house yeah yeah there. yeah that's right and and so like but i don't know if it i don't know yet if scott has uh feels the reverse racism but i can i can bet um but yeah so um we have that storyline uh we have uh jimmy is you know back at homicide uh they have no money uh he can't even get a car to go to a crime scene so he has to take a bus um and uh you know and then he has a brilliant idea we have kima doing great at uh being a homicide detective we have all sorts of storylines but vince what did you think of this episode uh genuinely love this episode i feel like this episode is very much a microcosm for why I in particular like love this season and I yeah. and probably hints at why people hate it because you have both um the Scotty Templeton storyline in the in the newsroom and I just feel like that storyline articulates so perfectly uh, like how you sort of catch phonies mm. and it's like always, it's the people who are trying to please the boss too right. hard and it's yeah. all inside baseball writing stuff. Um, and I love yeah. it. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, and then you got McNulty basically coming up with this idea to invent a serial killer, which, uh, I guess people think is too silly or something, which uh, yeah. fine, but it's a TV show. Omar was silly too. I think it's a fun, uh, a fun amount of silly. I love you. That is exactly how I feel. Uh, Daniel, uh, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was really solid. I thought that the first episode of the season 
was a little on the nose. It was very David Simon-y, right? I wish I worked for a real news outlet. I wish I worked for a real police department. We understand. We get the parallels here. (laughs) And this was a little bit more showy, not telly, right? And obviously... This whole Still on the nose about, though, because because he comes yeah. out the the the, the, new, the reporters are talking mm-hmm. and he says, uh, "Is that story true?" And he's like, "Ah, too too good of a story to check it out." Like, right. oh, yeah, light bulb moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I guess that's so, more subtle than the last episode for sure. Yeah, I meant more kind of like the connective tissue between the different subplots, but mm-hmm. I mean, just even the opening scene, I think, is really. You know, there. I would think that that kind of opening with Bubbles at Narcotics Anonymous and that person just just sharing that really heart wrenching story. Yeah, I would think almost that it would be too corny for me, but I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's it's just <clears throat> it it's just well done, and I yeah. kind of I kind of like the lighting too. There's light coming in from the the window behind them, and yeah, I I love the cold open, and I completely agree that uh, you know I think in any other show I it might rub me the wrong way, um, but in this show it works, and the reason it works, or one of the reasons it works, is because that is actually what a Narcotics Anonymous meeting looks like. And that's how they go. And it's it's made in this way where you'd figure that's a simple thing to recreate. But based on the amount of like TV shows and movies I've watched that have a scene where someone's at a, you know, 12 step meeting, it is fucking weird how often they get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Like it's just everyone's like cross talking. Everyone is fucking just like, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, everyone is. um saying kind of the same weird platitudes. There's always a guy who's leading the meeting, who's just like interjecting while other people are talking, like a <laughs> bunch of shit that does not happen. Uh, you know, like this really, uh, you know, this show is again, the verisimilitude of the show is kind of what sells it. Um, but I, I love the, uh, so, yeah, this, like I don't even I've never been to a 12 step meeting, as you can probably imagine. But uh, <laughs> but that's, like that's just, because you're still a huge lush. Yeah, that's right. That's why yeah. you haven't found Jesus. I haven't hit my bottom yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I keep hoping to hit my bottom. Oh, I'll hit your bottom. Someone to hit my bottom. Uh, but uh, Steve oh, Earl. Oh, okay. <laughs> Steve <laughs> Earl. Um, something about him like feels uh, authentic to yeah. um, people in recovery that I've not, you know, I have a lot of my, you know, I, I've had a lot of parents, friends who are sort of that sort of generation of people like ex hippie, like biker adjacent sort of people in recovery. And like yes. just his whole, like everything about him just feels uh, incredibly authentic. Even when, yes, even when his acting isn't like 110% on point, like it's just all of his mannerisms are just and right it, there. It, and it's very specifically, you know, with uh, Narcotics Anonymous, that is the type of guy who is the old timer who's got the clean time that you want. And it's always a guy who, I mean, you know, obviously depends where you are and where you come from. But like, for me, I was like, I like these, this uh, fellowship specifically because um, all of like the, my favorite guys are um, like ex criminal bikers. Like they're Mm -hmm. people who's like, whose life, like, I don't know, but they are, um, they're not in any way gatekeeping 
the you know and they probably have like, more oh, interest- I'm, I'm a badass biker you know so <laughs> yeah. uh why don't you get the fuck out of here you little bitch uh they're, no they're like the most open and the most warm and the most willing to empathize no matter what your story is which i love and they probably have better stories than if it was like um my my parents gave me money and i spent it on drugs yeah that wasn't my story but i know <laughs> what you mean my but story my parents yep. never gave me money I stole drugs from the insurance company. <laughs> oh, that's um, but, but I mean, that is a heartwarming story. Yes. But the most um, like accurate part of this cold open is the way Bubbles acts in that. Like he's very new to recovery. He doesn't want to speak. And when he does, he does this thing that everyone in the room enjoys, but his sponsor knows is, is bullshit is bullshit because he knows it's, also, it's cover it's also um like that feels like the the bullshit kind of stand-up that a lot of people do too where they like take a kind of funny thing and then they just like exaggerate it to where right it's not it doesn't make the joke better it just feels like a thing that you should do because right you, yes you, like do you have a I clip mean- of it yeah yeah he turns his share into a stand-up routine and then when it gets to the point where he's like about to maybe say something real he's like all right folks that's been my time he just makes the tag like further and further away from what the reality and the point of whatever he's saying yes because it's easier to do that um and i have a clip of that how about you bubs hadn't heard from you in a while it's love to be hot Y'all see me out there on Mumbo and Fed doing dope feel lean, right? Be like this here. Gonna realize people treat me like a lamppost. Hanging flies on me and shit. Come winter, little kids hanging crystal balls on me like a damn tree. Summertime, they woke me over to the garden where the 909 used to be. Make me, <laughs> make me a scarecrow. Got to the point. No, I'm not. I'm not supposed to talk about this right now. Just completely, completely gives up. It's just like, uh, ah, you know what? I got my laughs. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> and and like for me, that was very real because I, I remember um, <clears throat> one of the things that I was trying to avoid when I first was like in recovery was because and it was because I was not in a mood to make jokes. But the other was like I I wanted to avoid. Um, like trivializing everything in my story uh and and just sharing like all the you know like i waited a year before it was when i got 12 months that's when i first shared that my rock bottom was that i put a turkey baster full of delauder in my asshole (laughs) (laughs) i waited waited a whole year what's up daniel i just saw daniel's eyes you just went oh fuck i didn't know it was gonna be that kind of a podcast yeah yeah what the hell um no, but like, you know, Does I that double as like prostate stimulation as well. I mean, no, I'm just it was just I didn't I was out. I lived. OK, so I was back at home. <laughs> I had just been snitched on by my best friends, uh, Mr. Snitch himself. And uh, <laughs> I uh, but I still had some Dilaudid left, but I didn't have like, you know, a rig. I didn't have a needle or nothing. And I was like, well, I'm not going to swallow these pills because I hate that. And I didn't want to like snort because uh, you never know with opiates. Sometimes that hurts. And so I was like, well, what's the best I can do? And I found a turkey baster and I was like, I'm going to put it in my butt. So I did. Mm-hmm. Right in the pussy. 
I put it right in my bussy and then I started laughing because I realized that I uh, was literally hitting bottom. And that is <laughs> when, yeah, that is when I, uh, you know, sort of had a come to Jesus moment a little bit. And uh, yeah, and I, I didn't uh, use opiates ever again after that. Not because it was a bad experience, but because I didn't have any and I started going to meetings and eventually one day led to another. When but, you went to Jesus, did he start lecturing you about Zionism? Was he like, Matt? I don't yeah. like what you, I don't like the things that you've been saying. Yeah, he's like I don't think like the things you've been saying about Jews. We need you all to move back so I can come back, all right? You're kind of <laughs> stopping me from doing the whole killing all it's you so guys. It's so boring up here. I want to come back, man. I hate it. Crowns <laughs> of thorns don't even hurt you. People here. keep drinking my blood and yeah. eating my body. <laughs> it's weird. They um, only ever want the dick meat. They only eat the dick meat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, you know, it, so I I love Bubbles' whole storyline here because he's um, he's trying to hide uh, even you know even though he is doing um, you know uh, he is going to meetings he is sober uh, I think at this point he says he has fifteen months um, and it's the most time he's ever put together um, he's still at a point where he is punishing himself uh, because he can't face what he did to Sherrod and he's working at a fucking, you know, um, well, first he's eating at the uh, soup kitchen and then he decides like, if I can't share, at least I have to give back in some way. And he starts volunteering and very pointedly, he won't take the job out in front serving the food because he doesn't feel like he deserves any good feelings. Cause that's, that's the, that's the, what the guy says. Like, don't you want to work out in front? Isn't the best part seeing the people's faces? And um, he's I like, think, I don't deserve the best part. I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm a little yeah. worm. Uh, so yeah, bubble storyline, fucking great. And the story, I mean, it, it, you know, again, I mean, I'm, I'm saying how I like this episode, not being on the nose, but, but there, mm. obviously the undercurrent with him is him being able to be authentic about his own story. Right. And, and right. the, and the season itself is about stories and lies. That's and true. Fiction. And, and ultimately, obviously we know that he does get to tell his story in a way that dovetails with the journalism arc. Right. The, yeah. uh, I liked in the, the opening, uh, the cold open, how it just lingers on his face once he sat down where yeah. it really tells you, he knows he didn't really bring it you know, in a, in a genuine, authentic kind of way. And then it right. just cuts to the credits. And, uh, and Steve, or I don't remember Steve Earle's actual name in the series, but his, Waylon. His, Waylon, Waylon yeah, yeah. His, which is funny because they named him after like another, uh, country-ish <laughs> singer. <laughs> another Waylon, guy. In Waylon Jennings. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bakersfield, shout out. Um, shout out. Yeah, he the 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 look on Waylon's face during the share is great because he's like you can see that he's happy, but he's also like wanting uh, Bubbles to sort of speed up and stop uh, bullshitting and get somewhere real. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know we'll see how that all goes for him. Um, <clears throat> then we have uh, the kind of like. Um, the stories of what's going on with the, uh, you know, Marlowe's. What's crew. happening with that detail? Oh, well, yeah, there's what's going on with the detail. Well, I think that's what you're, that's what I thought that's what you're talking about. I, I the, was going to, yeah, the lead into Marlowe is like, what do you think Marlowe's doing right now? Cause the, yeah. uh, Freeman and Sidner are, Sidner's bored with going after Clay Davis for some reason, because, you know, he's not ghetto enough, I, think, I guess. Yeah, it's because he doesn't have the same boner for chasing the money 
that um that you know freeman has like yeah like sidner he doesn't sidner, want to fuck the boss bad enough and no yeah he just wants he wants to catch bad guys you know like that's that's his thing he's like i want to catch you know criminal with gun and uh and so yeah for him it's just he's sitting around like wondering what marlo's doing and that's kind of what that's everybody who isn't freeman at this he point. wants i mean freeman wants to do uh bling bling but sidner is more concerned <laughs> with, the bling, with the bling bang the bling bang yeah that's right <laughs> So yeah, and then they're like, "What do you think Marlo's doing?" Uh, Freeman says uh, he's probably uh, celebrating. Uh, and then we go to Marlo. They have realized that uh, the details no longer following them, and it's time time to just shoot random people who are talking shit because yeah. Snoop is bored. So the, one of the questions I do have is. Like you imagine like Chris and Snoop are probably never walking around without a gun, right? Couldn't they just stop them at any time and like catch them with a and gun get on them, them on a gun charge? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess. I mean, I think my, my feeling is that they actually aren't walking around with a gun all the time. Yeah. That in general, uh, they have a gun, you know, stash near nearby, yeah. but not like on them. A uh, lot of caches of guns. Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then they set up the storyline about June, bug do you remember who june bug is but june bug's been talking some shit and june bug's gotta go <laughs> yeah so i i'm trying to remember uh which person is the one who is june bug um uh and if i if i'm gonna look it up uh, do we ever see june bug on camera this is someone asking from reddit um uh and they say i believe you see his cadaver when Kima's doing the walkthrough uh sure. but no um hold on Oh, okay. So someone says, uh, no. So at first I thought that June bug was the guy in season in episode one of season five. That was just like, you know, uh, the one that Marlo muscles into taking his package. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, we actually never meet June bug until he's dead. Uh, and, um, I, and I think that meeting him is not relevant it's more about like why they're killing him and it's just for talking shit and you see that this is uh for michael lee who is now embedded in the crew he's like you know he's a he's a, a button guy as they would say in the fucking mafia <laughs> he um, paints houses he paints houses uh yeah. and he does his own carpentry but um <laughs> Yeah, so he, um, you know, he is asking, like, why, why are we going to kill some guy just for talking shit? And this is, like, the beginning of Michael's disillusionment with the whole, you know, this whole crew. And I think what is interesting, and I don't know, this is just, like, a theory I have, but I think half of it, um, like, is that the guy who they're killing is named Junebug. And his mm, brother, of his brother, yeah, is named Bug, and I think that later on, when they do the hit, you see one little kid running and escaping from the hit, and you see Michael's face, and he's like traumatized by it, and mm -hmm. I think that for me reinforces the idea that he just saw there's something about it that reminded him of his brother, and he's like you know how yeah well, I mean he's a product of uh people in the hood not having parents, and then he went out and created some more people that oh, aren't going to have parents, you know? Yeah. You know? I don't know if you got that. No, I, I, I actually didn't, but uh, I'll pretend I did. Uh -huh. uh, I also like that he's a free speech warrior. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, you know, 
I, he's like, oh, they called Marlo a dick sucker. He's like, well, Marlo doesn't suck any dick, so he should be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that I, I mean, thought it's was like we we think Michael knows the rules of the hood, but right? occasionally the the kind of honor culture aspect of it, the you know, you don't call me, you don't make me look like a bitch. Yeah, uh, you don't use my name in the street or put it out there. That's he's learning uh, that the game is rigged, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. That's kind of it. In. yeah it's we an go interesting back to parallel with kind of the shit the other bosses are making people do. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and but yeah, but, but, the, but the criminals like the thing about them is that they don't seem to have like an issue with overtime pay. Like the second that they, they've lost yeah. the detail, they can, it's a well-oiled machine. It can, there's no, right. not as many bureaucratic. No, all, I mean, this, you look at the soldiers and you're like, that is a pretty good job. You kind of just hang around getting overtime pay. And then every <laughs> once in a while you go and shoot some people. And like most of the time you're just yeah, getting paid but if to hang but around. But as soon as, as soon as they, you know, cut your branch of, drug ink you know uh then you're fucked there's no unemployment insurance yeah (laughs) um but what i love about just uh what's going on in this marlo thing is number one he's uh marlo is trying to get um in contact with the greeks and he's trying to do it through uh finding out where boris is at um and i just love that avon makes an appearance in this episode uh and he just does it in this way that i just like Oh, it's so funny. I just, I love, I love him. Surprise. (laughs) I say let bygones be bygones, but fuck all them east side bitches. I got nothing but love in my heart for west side niggas. Nothing but love. I got to have my taste too. So send my sister a hundred large. A hundred large, huh? So what's up, man? What's up with you otherwise, you know? Uh, the game is a game. Always. <laughs> I, love, I love that part. Yeah. Yeah. I love it because he's he shows up. First he says, surprise. And second of all, he's just like, listen, I'm in prison now. Uh, you won, whatever. Um, but just because we had our issues doesn't mean that I am not ideologically you know uh really just yeah i'm someone who will always hate the east side so i by default support you and uh i'm just gonna squeeze you a little bit anyways is everyone having fun out there (laughs) (laughs) how's junebug yeah is he good is he cool he's funny i think yeah that whole thing about how we used to hunt each other down you know just just Forget yeah, water under it. the bridge. A worthy fucking adversary, dude. You know, I was, uh, you know, that's the thing about uh, West Side uh, people, as uh, they they're raised to hate East Side people, much like Hamas. <laughs> and it, all right. Uh, See, when I think of that metaphor, I think more about like like a Bibi Netanyahu sort of saying like Marlo Stanfield is a very misunderstood. <laughs> Man, he lives in a dangerous neighborhood. <laughs> wow, it's a really and, good impression. Uh, you know, uh, so I just thought about that. You know, 
And, I love that. Yeah. Oh, oh what's that, Pro- Brent Pro- Proposition Joe uses oh. human shields. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. I'm glad I didn't interrupt before you did that impression. That was really good. But, that was uh, really good. We do need to take a break for ads. All right. You heard the man. Uh, we got to make some money. But stick around because there's more The Wire to be had after these messages. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, (laughs) because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, You helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to... Do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby, um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, Someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesac.com and uh, buying your tickets. Do it. And if you can't go, hey, maybe you have friends who are in the area and you you know, you can tell them like, hey, you like comedy. Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great. So yes, please come Sacramento Punchline, March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc and we're back all right um so yeah, yeah. let's um, talk about what's Avon going on that- gets his beak oh, wet that's right we go back to the the detail. detail jimmy mcnulty he is fed up he is in his feelings he's in his and feels. uh he's gonna let he's gonna let Rhonda know about it even if she doesn't really have that much to do with anything yeah and yeah. uh he he sort of lets her have it i have a clip of that mm-hmm. let's do a little bit of that Oh, I'm sure things will be picking up. Wasn't my call to suspend the investigation, Jimmy. That decision came from your shop. Yeah, but nobody from the SA's office objected, did they? Just like nobody objected when Chris and Snoop got their gun charges postponed a couple of times. A postponement or two is pro forma on Calvert Street. From the Latin, meaning lawyers jacking each other off. What are the rules, Jimmy? (laughs) There are no fucking rules. Fucking game's rigged. 
gentlemen. Listen, uh, Jimmy, obviously too hard on Rhonda. At the same time, when Jimmy is angry, he's the most fuckable he's ever been. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, he's when probably he's just, got that bit of anger. His shit-eating grin. Plus, he sees yeah. Rhonda. She's looking all hot, and he's like, yeah. you know, he's got that uh, that little bit. Of, he's got to give it to her because he can't give it to yeah, her. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's that. that that's uh, that's background for where McNulty's gonna go. Mm-hmm. And then we get yeah. into my favorite storyline uh, at the newspaper, which oh, yeah. uh, you know they're outside. The reporters are having like a, a great uh, reporter discussion about how uh you know like uh, that story about the the desk was kind of a sh- i didn't think it was that great of a story but i really liked mm. them talking about how there aren't any statuesque blondes or buxom blondes yes in the news I, anymore because like there are so many little turns of phrases that like are hot for a while and then they they go out of style yeah i i have a clip of that i love this too you know how mother four is always catching hell huh <laughs> Murder, hit and run, burn up in row house fire, swindled by bigamists. Tough gig, mother of four. Innocent bystander is worse. He's always getting a short end. Not a lot of them around anymore. Not a lot of innocents either, you ask me. You know who there's less of? Statuesque blondes. You don't read about statuesque blondes in the newspapers anymore. Buxom ones, neither. They're like a lost race. Swindled by bigamists is just like a beautiful collection of of words. I I need to I, I like when I first heard that I was like, wait, what is a bigamist again? Is that just uh, someone it's a polygamist? Who, same shit, right? Isn't it the same thing? Yeah, it is. It's just it's just that not all polygamists are bigamists because oh. because all bigamists are polygamists. But if you have three wives, well, that's not by gummy. It's oh. more gummy. You know? I see. I I I didn't I didn't put together the roots of anything. I you know I don't speak that Latin lawyer speak for lawyers <laughs> jacking each other off. But so the, I I don't know the roots of words. <laughs> but I love the way this starts, just because uh, Scotty Templeton comes up with this, and he's got he's got his story about mother a mother four, of four who uh, died from crab from eating crabs, <laughs> ate um, crabs all her life, but then had an allergic reaction or some sort of toxicity, right? Right, and then uh, and it's sort of uh, it's it's Gus like getting an inkling, like he he hasn't even recognized it himself, but he's got he's just got like a small inkling that yeah, this it's dude's like full oh, of mother shit. of four again, yeah, and and he's not wrong in that. Like later, it's you know they do a little parallel where uh, when Jimmy goes to the scene of this murder, um, uh, or sorry, a scene of just a uh, a dead old woman, uh, mother of four. Uh, that that person is also a mother of four, and um, so it's like, it's it's a trope that Gus recognizes as like being real in some aspects, but he still is like, oh, that, it is huh. weird that it's that an odd happens. coincidence. Yeah, and it all starts like I said. I didn't. I don't really love the uh, my desk thinks your desk is full of shit story because it's kind of lame. But uh-huh. like the response to that is is that is that true? And he says two. Tr- uh, too good to check out and that's sort of the theme of the entire episode is Unconfirmed that Unconfirmed report is that you know these people are they're they're giving you the bullshit the way that you want to hear it not necessarily 
the way that it happened. Like they are. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then that goes into, it leads into the, uh, whole storyline with the executive editor. So I have a question for, uh, Daniel as a, as a journalist, he, 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 when Scotty Templeton walks up, um, Gus says my favorite GA reporter, like what, what the fuck is a GA reporter? Gastrointestinal. That is the role that I had when I first was hired at HuffPost, uh, eight years ago, which meant I worked Saturdays and had off Mondays because it's a general assignment reporter. So somebody who is basically, we now, we now call it our breaking news desk, Mm -hmm. uh, and I tried to just kind of nurture different beats on the side so that I could eventually be somebody who had a specialty rather than kind of a jack of all trades, picking up whatever came across the desk. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I'm, I wouldn't ever throw my own, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to like, it's interesting. I've never seen uh, the, like it, fabulism in action in, the, in quite this way but oh yeah <laughs> to my knowledge no I mean, tell me about but <laughs> but tell me about all the fake news people that you work with tell me give me their name i mean i love i love the way this plays out because he he goes from uh you know too good to check out to uh the this mother four story feels like a little too little too nice um, mm-hmm. And then they have uh, the newsroom meeting with the executive editor and they have this argument about like the newsroom editors basically saying like, I don't want you to look for truth. I want you to feed the audience uh, some, yes. easy, some easy answers that they already sort of have. Uh, yeah. He's like, but- listen, we all know that um, <laughs> black kids, you know, they live like in squalor, you know. <laughs> yeah. We don't need the context of why. We don't need I just context. Know we need what public utility to attack. <laughs> well, yeah, I want poverty tourism. Uh, yes. is what I want. I want some like real poverty tourism. Um, and so then, um, Gus and Scott first. Have... First, it's a uh, yeah. First, uh, Dickensian uh, mention of Dickensian. Yeah, uh, the Dickensian aspect. That's right. Uh, which yeah. would the word that comes to mind. But I, yeah, I love yeah. I love the way it plays out because like Gus has already smelled a rat. Then he has this sort of uh, argument with Scotty in front of the boss, and so now he has to weigh like, am I being am I being paranoid about this guy's reporting because I already don't like him? Like he's right. tra- he's having to weigh his own like he clearly has like a personal <clears throat> gut feeling about this guy, but he's trying to be scientific about it. Like uh, yeah, well he doesn't like him for a multitude of reasons one of them is because he's a little fucking kiss ass yeah it's like in that meeting with the uh you know the big boss man um he says something along the lines of like uh well you know i don't think we need like any context to talk about one classroom which is just like well yeah and and then yeah gus says something like i think you need context to talk about pretty much (laughs) anything in the news and uh and it's just like, and then uh, immediately the big boss man is like, no, no, no. I think Scott is right. Don't <laughs> yeah. just write it as if it's a vacuum. Yeah. Like it, it I felt, already have a thesis. Yeah. No, it, it really hit home for me. Even like not having worked in a real newsroom and never having wanted to be like a, a capital J journalist. Like even, even Jew? so. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. Is that, what you're saying? Yeah, is that yeah. the capital J? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow. ADL. Even not having that experience, not having that background or that goal, uh, yeah. like I always went into 
some of these assignments feeling like I should be skeptical and I should, um, you know, not just take whatever, like uh, a publicist or whoever, like not just write down what they tell you, like you're fucking transcribing uh, publicists and thinking that was the job. And then immediately just seeing people do exactly that. And then they're the ones that immediately, like those are always the ones that climb the ranks is just like the people right. who just transcribe whatever the fucking, uh, big tech guy yeah, whatever says the or whatever the publicist says, says. Is, is the story. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones who just, they, they, you know, oh, I got an email from a PR company. They did my job for me. Yeah. So I'm going to copy paste it and be like, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there, that, there's, there's. I mean, look. It, obviously, I, I work for a national level digital newsroom that currently doesn't even. I mean, we have a, a newsroom in New York, but I used to work in the DC office when there would be more kind of sort of newsroom culture. They've since right. gotten rid of the DC office. Oh uh, wow! I mean, people. We still have a DC bureau, but there's no physical space, uh, and so to the extent that that exists, it's more like in the Capitol Hill press galleries, that kind of thing, which is for a number of different outlets. Right. But I would say you can stop short of making things up, but still be in a lot of situations where the framing or the headline is right, write this headline and then report it out like backwards from there. Right. And, and that's just even truer in a world where you have to cater to your readership. It's, you know, and, right. and, and yeah. what, what they want to read. And just a little bit of anecdote that I feel like I can share at this point because yes. this person no longer works for us. Cool, um, cool. Uh, but I was once asked in 2016, remember there was a whole thing like they, they love doing the 63rd straight month of job creation thing. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and this was yeah. under Obama and it was like HuffPost was, you know, a little bit manning the battle station in the, uh, in the coming, you know, showdown with Orange Cheeto Man. And uh-huh. uh and, and and sort of the suggestion, the, the the hook for the jobs report is like, okay, write a story about how this is the most jobs basically created ever. Yeah. Okay. And um and, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll report it out. And I and I talked to some economists who were like, yeah, it's still really sluggish. That we don't really yet have a tight labor market. Economists on the left, and uh and and my editor was like, what story did I tell you to write? Jesus, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and so I had to rework it a little bit. It, it goes a little far back, many years, but yeah, yeah. There, there's uh that that's where the incentives are, and yes, anyway, yeah, this is this no, is I mean, Vince, you this dealt is heightened with this in in a different way, no, but in the this is similar height- way. No, this is heightened because Scotty is an actual liar and i think that's what makes it tv but right that's what like everyone has been in these situations where the person that the person thinks it's their job to like flatter the powerful and they are the ones that rise up i mean seymour hirsch was talking about this uh after henry kissinger died and this being one of the reasons that he quit the new york times because like he had a bombshell story about the shit that kissinger was doing um in southeast asia and he had vis-a-vis bombshells vis-a-vis bombshells um and he had a he had a great story but like the guy at the new york times who was running the uh like foreign affairs desk or whatever like he had basically gotten his position because he was the guy that would just take the fucking phone call from kissinger and write down the thing things that 
Kissinger said, and it yeah. was like, okay, what we're breaking saying is news. We're, we're breaking news, <laughs> yeah. and no one's gonna call you on that reporting because you're just fucking writing down what the people want you to write down. Mm -hmm. But that's not the job. Like, and you but, have to but, you have to not be a kiss ass in order to do it right. Yeah, I mean, look, if if I were to put on my little, uh, you know. Uh, Lieutenant Daniels moderate hat here. I would just say that there are there are some there are trade offs to everything, right? Yes. And we do kind of require access as reporters. And, oh, of course. And so sometimes we, you know, I think even the best reporters make that kind of a call. And you know, right? Even, you're trying to maintain a relationship, and yeah. it, it, it is or important. literally yeah. hear about things, or I mean, right. it, it could be the the most bare bones thing. Get invited to an event, mm -hmm. and uh, the other the other thing I just thought about is that that argument with Gus and Whiting. I've definitely heard a version of that argument plenty of times too, and I think that there can, you know, the I, what Gus is saying. I mean, it's very class. That's the classically progressive case about education, that it's only ever a symptom and a manifestation of all the other things leading up to it. And I think obviously there's a lot of truth in that. And so I don't want to litigate the exacts of things about education, but there's right. also sometimes an idealistic voice in the newsroom who's always like, you shouldn't write the story at all if you can't write 10,000 words right. and do yes. the deep dive investigation. Yeah. And yes, yes. And maybe that person is the one person who gets the really cool gig of being the investigative reporter, but it's like, no, you could write about, you could write a story about the schools, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is actually a little bit, I, I actually had a similar thought uh, when, you know, uh, he was suggesting like, well, why are we just beating up on the schools? And part of me was just, there was, because his suggestion was like, well, why not instead we beat up on single mothers? <laughs> and I was like, well, well that doesn't seem good either. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, yes, of course you want to tell a whole story, but sometimes you are uh, trying to uh, create a framework for a narrative that allows you to tell a story about a specific thing, like the problems with the school system. And you could say, well, that's beating up on the schools, but you could easily say that about any piece that's critical of anything. Um, you're beating up on single mothers, you're beating up on whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, the framing of Gus in this as kind of being um, this like pure journalist, this idealistic journalist is like, uh, 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 you know, it's a little nuanced because he like they, yeah. they show him being having like a personal grievance with Scotty before. True, and, like, that's true. And he does have to weigh that but they, against the. They his show gut. him weighing it as a thing, and they yeah. show him. I think you know, there's a little bit of, um, you know, David Simon kind of showing like you know the real heroes. It's not the cops. <laughs> it's not the drug dealers. It's not the children. It's not the school teachers. Sure as fuck ain't the executive editors. <laughs> Yo, it's. <laughs> It is the journalists who are out there every day looking out their window and wondering if anyone's written about fire. Um, uh, so like there is, you know, they do present this as, you know, kind of, you know, the most noblest of noble jobs. At the same time, they also, you know, they they criticize it as well because, uh, you know, of the fact that uh, the news hole is shrinking. So yes, so now let's get into uh, Scotty's lies. Uh, Scotty is, um, uh, he, you know, being a little suck up prick piece of shit he is, he goes up to uh, 
that other um you know the guy who played gale and breaking bad i forget what oh my his God. character's name is in this um Plebinow but he's like is the character plebinow Plebinow. Uh, right. yeah he goes up uh to gus and says uh, hey let's give uh let's give old scotty here a chance at this uh opening day orioles story and gus is like you're the boss whatever he doesn't want to gus doesn't want to give shit to scott uh because he sees that he's a thirsty little bitch and um he also and, and i think he probably already it sounded like he had like a more seasons yeah he had a guy person. already for that oh. yeah and um but so they give it to scott you see scott just talking to everyone and they're all just like I don't really like baseball or they're just like, uh, you know, um, steroids ruined baseball. <laughs> like no one is excited for baseball. He can't get anything. <laughs> and um, he comes All back. a bunch of little bitches caring about steroids. Shut the fuck I up. I know. Shut up. Do you know how much worse life's going to get? <laughs> These fucking. Oh, you don't even know. I Ooh, wish. Baseball the... fans are the fucking worst. Goddamn I bunch really, of purists. Really Sorry. Go ahead. Anyways, uh, and then so Scott, Scotty comes back later and he um, very convincingly weaves this whole story together about a, a little uh, a little wheelchair bound black kid named EJ um, <laughs> who can't uh, who, who can't get a ticket. I and, love. Yeah, I love the way that Gus. I mean, I don't even think that Gus was necessarily intending to kick holes in this story, but he's just like you know, we need art for the story. Uh, yeah. Like I need, I need to know who this guy is so we can put a picture of him. He does it to all with... very naturally. Yeah. He does it uh, like, like uh, he's not intending to poke holes. Uh, but in asking Scott about it, like I, I have uh, the uh, Scott doing the lies and kind of just the, I think the very valid questions that an editor would ask. Um, and here's that clip. Yeah, good stuff. You got a kid in a wheelchair outside the stadium wanting to go to the game, but unable because he didn't have the money for a scalp ticket. Sounds pretty good. You got art? I tried, but Photo said they were too booked with the game. Can we send him out now? I guess. They probably rolled out, but you can try. Shit. How old is this fella? 13. Why wasn't he in school? He just cut. So what about his parents? Both dead, no shit. How'd he get in the wheelchair? Something about a straight gunshot. It was all pretty vague. Like, Scott is doing, <laughs> I think, a really good job of, like, I don't know. He's Improvising? Like, yeah, he's, like, he's explaining. I mean, he, I love when he says, both dead, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just such a cornball, because, like, this all stems from him being too lazy to, like, try and write the real story. Like, he already had the story written in his head, and he just wanted right. to go and get the quote for it. Uh, yes. He could have had a good story about people being, you know, fed up with baseball and uh right no yeah he could have written something else that would have been a perfectly oh, acceptable he's story he's a corny bitch and but he's but he and i feel like that is like one of the root problems with many things where someone has an idea of something in their head and they're not they're not willing to pivot to uh the better thing that's right in front of them they're like so they're so married to whatever the pitch was that they don't see like the better thing that presents itself yeah, I mean, I have to say that that scene, those shots of him talking to people and having a really hard time getting a good answer, I, I related to that because... Yeah. Right. Like, people heard yes. this song, yes. which is just, like, 
a random grab bag of grievances yes. and like internet conspiracies. That and is they a want... lot of people that I've met. I mean, yeah, that's that everybody. Like, it's yeah, people. that's everybody. That people. Like, you want them to be representative of some like ideology, but it's like, no, they're just like a weird kaleidoscope of fucking, you know, random, random, random grievances. Facts they got. Yeah. And good luck yeah. trying to fit that into, uh, you know, your coherent well, it, ideology. Well, to, to, right. To, to fit it into a narrative that you. And that's what they did. Like all the. It's a, an intellectualized narrative rather yeah. than like because you don't want to live your life being like most people are just like complaining about random grievances <laughs> and it's like it doesn't you can't write that story about like yeah most people at the baseball game are just like oh man this uh you know this whole steroids thing makes it not fun and it's like no i don't want to write that i want to write big beautiful words about <laughs> yeah and you see that in um when when Gus is poking holes in his shit at one point he just starts reading his column out loud <laughs> and you can see the embarrassment on Scott's face i love it let's let's play that we got a poor black kid in a wheelchair with no ticket he rolls himself from somewhere in west baltimore to to the shadow of the mighty brick-faced coliseum known as oreo park listening to the the cheers from the crowd which told the whole tale we're going to give good play to a 13-year-old known only as EJ who declines to give his name because he skipped school. He's got no parents. He lives with his aunt. I mean, I'm not saying that this kid isn't everything you say he is, but Scott, damn. As an editor, I need a little more to go on if I'm going to fly this thing. I resent the implication. I'm not implying anything. I'm on your side. Just finished your story. Good read. <laughs> he, comes, <laughs> he comes out. I just read it. Oh, I love that. It's exactly, it confirmed my biases. <laughs> The news hole is shrinking, but this yeah. fits really perfectly. Yeah. This fits really good into the news hole. And you can tell, I don't know, there's, I feel like you can so often tell when some, someone is full of shit because they write like they fuck through a hole in the sheet kind of thing, yeah. where it's just like, <laughs> yes. they write like they've never fucked before and everything yes. is uh, broken down like an alien. The the mighty brick-faced Coliseum <laughs> known. Like, you can't just say fucking Camden Yard. You have to, uh, you yeah. know, you have to add in like 70. No, it's got to be in the shadow of something yeah. bigger. <laughs> like, Shut the fuck up. I know yeah. you're full of shit because you're adding too many details. Yeah. Needs more words. Also, um, one other thing. Yeah. Uh, Scott is wearing a white crew neck undershirt underneath his button down. And that may be period appropriate and and uh, professional sector appropriate. But I'm sorry. I don't need to see the undershirt. Like, go with yeah. the V-neck. I always do V-neck. And but th just... that's... That's how you know, though, that he is like, you know, <laughs> he's a hard worker, you know? He just he just doesn't care about aesthetics He just doesn't all. care. He's just too Unless busy to think about stories. <laughs> he's got to think of more words for big. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, Scotty, he ends up getting um, full support from uh, this fucking douchebag. Putting it out front. Thanks. And I'm not sure everyone shares your enthusiasm. You have a problem this with black it? guy? A little bit, kind of, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm just saying that the standards we have terra from here. Got you. Man made a call. You're good to go. And I, I, there's a little bit of like Gus being a little bitchy about it <laughs> that I like because it's yeah. like I like that it's real. He's like, 
okay you're the boss um, yeah. <laughs> well he's kind of just like oh you're i was trying to like work hard and do the job but if you tell me uh, the job's already done i can fucking take a lunch break sounds good yeah yeah all right <laughs> i don't care it bothers me but uh fine once you've taken away my personal investment in this uh go nuts i don't you know yeah so that's that storyline um and by the way just... there are like multiple things that are so you know uh a little far-fetched here right like yeah, it's of of course Netter is going to ask. EJ doesn't have a last name. You, you tend to not give a last name when it's somebody who's like afraid that there are going to be consequences. Is right. a thirteen year old kid who's wheelchair bound thinking about that? He's he's worried yes. about the truancy officer. If yeah, he, if reading reading the, the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's um, times when you can get when you can get a last name without planning to publish it too, though. That's that's true, but you could provide it to an editor. I mean, I. Yeah. Uh, you know, a classic thing like that I might get asked about by an editor is you have this anonymous person really beating up on some candidate or some other, you know, like who the fuck are they? And like, why are we giving them anonymity? That kind of thing. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, like just him having the perfect out for every scenario in which you could possibly find, like confirm whether or not this guy is real is, uh, I, I like it because it, it, it implies um, Scott is uh, <laughs> cunning in his mm-hmm. lies in a way that I think is like it, like we see him being cunning at first and then we see him being real bold. Um, and so this this season, you know, kind of you see a pretty sharp ramp up to uh, Scotty's kind of um weird uh, uh behavior he also does the lawyery thing where he gets called out on an obvious well not an obvious but he gets called out on a lie and he immediately goes uh how dare you attack me personally sir <laughs> right he did not I, attack I, you personally I resent the implication <laughs> yeah gosh. i resent the implication are you just saying this because i'm white yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah right i mean no, no, we're no. almost there though um <laughs> No, but I to, don't. it's funny. Yeah, if this if this show were made in uh, 2023, that would be the joke. That would 100 percent. They would have made yeah. that explicit. I mean, the, the exchange wouldn't have happened in the first place because the editor would be like, oh, man, I'm so fucking tired. You have copy for me. All right, let's print it. The let's editor is AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's did you get all the search Here terms in there? Here's your bug cube. Eat your bug cube. Every story you get paid one bug cube. That is how people should be paid. Um. <laughs> All the protein. Oh, there's a lot of protein in those bug cubes. Uh, and put bug cubes on my kid's table, man. To end the uh, this episode, uh, we got to end uh, once again with the murder police slash MCU. Um, McNulty is, he's sad, he's depressed. He at one point um, has to go to the coroner's office, um, uh, to the medical examiner, and he catches this um, this conversation, this this issue between um a uh, medical examiner a new a new lady <laughs> and a detective over whether or not this um od death is a murder and, the whole time and, and, and an actor who is obviously from new york <laughs> like yeah oh, yeah, that, oh, that, yeah. Like, what are you doing to me like yeah, come hey, on. what the fuck a this is a blah 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 it, what are you talking about i was walking here i'm yeah. freaking policing over here yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Respect the, the morgue. 
And uh, so I, I really want, I, I would please. love to get an interview with the actor who plays the dead guy with his dick out. At some okay. Point. Can, I'm going to just play this clip. Uh, just, uh, yeah, let's just play the clip. Her heels in says it's a murder. It's not, but I can see why she thinks strangulation. The guy's got a fractured hyoid and tiki in both eyes, but it's a freak thing. If we weren't there to see it, I wouldn't have believed it myself. It's all post-mortem. He fires up a speedball, then blacks out. Falls between toilet and bathtub, manages to get himself wedged back where he did. Couldn't make this shit up. The medic's calm, pronounce him right then and there. This. They can't pry the guy out without grabbing hold of his neck for leverage. I, I zoomed into the dick. This Dundalk yeah. medic and the morgue guy. I mean, it raises so many questions about, like, like were there conversations? Were there question? Were there conversations with the production designer where they're like, "All right, he's he's got to have rigor mortis. Can we like, can we get like a little toothpick in there to make yeah, sure yeah, his yeah, dick yeah, is yeah, sticking just, straight up?" For well, some well it's, a, it's a profile shot. So on the other side, not facing the camera, let's just tape it down a little because it's got to go up. It's got to it's got to go up. It can't be hard because we can't show a hard dick. Um, yeah, I would love to interview that guy. That would be the best. Um, uh, I mean, I'm just picturing it now. He'd be like, you know, I'm mostly known for my flax at work, but you know, <laughs> every now and then I'll do rigor mortis. You know, yeah. I mean, that was that's in my sizzle reel. Believe yeah, me. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Stag rules say I get a little bit of more. Just look, a little yeah. bit more. My dick's got a lot of range. It can, it can play flaccid. It can play hard. It just hasn't gotten some of the opportunities other people's yeah. dicks have gotten. Right now, it's method. Uh, uh, we're, we're preparing for a role in which we can go pee pee. Uh, but uh, he gets and, a, and a full au natural bush, like just uh, yeah, 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 really Fully bushy. living his life. Um, I mean, picked out too. It looked like it was like an, well, yeah, with afro. Yeah, it had an afro going on. It was beautiful. Um, but uh, Jimmy learns some information from this scene in which that uh, because of the fact that this, you know, dead body was pulled by the neck, uh, it showed up with bruising and tears and stuff that made a medical examiner fooled her into thinking mm -hmm. that uh, it was a murder done by strangulation. And Jimmy kind of, you know, he clocks that information. It's like exists in his head, but he doesn't yet do anything with it until we get to the ending of the episode in which Jimmy and Bunk show up to another, you know, murder or uh, sorry, another death. And it's just another OD'd homeless person. And, um, and Jimmy, uh, has Emphasis a flash on the D sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Jimmy, uh, you know, has a light bulb goes off and he has this bright idea. And uh, here, let me give you that. Call for a crime lab? The wait's two to three hours. Shit gets worse every day. Finally, they get him out. He comes down here looking like a strangle job. <laughs> they can't tell that it's post-mortem? On a fresh body, no one can. Jimmy. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> I like he goes out to his car doing? and he just takes a swig of Jameson. Jimmy? Who hasn't been there? Fucking grip. If you lost your fucking mind. Oh, Jesus Christ, you sick fuck. Oh. There's a serial killer in Baltimore. He preys on the weakest among us. 
He needs to be caught. I'm gone. I don't want a part of this. I love it. I fucking love it. I love it. Yeah, and this is, it gets criticized so hard because people go, that's too crazy. And I agree it's crazy, but I also love, without Bunk, I think I would have thought this was totally insane. I think I would have thought that, like, this was stupid. Um, but Bunk's reaction throughout the rest of the season to Jimmy's fucking drunken, you know, plan here of creating a serial killer is so good and so real. And, and so just like, he is just, he's not just like, come on, Jimmy. He's like fucking disgusted with him. And in this way that is, I mean, speaks to the, how good Wendell Pierce is as an actor, but just, I don't know. It, it sells it for me. That's my feeling. Yeah. He's uh he's going after the Dickensian aspect, you know. Yeah. And it's funny cuz you know, like like fucking Bunk is Gus. And Jimmy, he's Scott. Mhm. <laughs> and we'll see more of that as the season goes on, but that's that's pretty much the episode. Um Anything else that uh, you know, favorite least favorite somebody didn't talk I, about? I had something we, okay, we need we did not do a uh what's our uh, a lake trout we need to do a lake trout segment because oh, jimmy wait if we have lake trout that means we have to lake trout yeah lake uh trout. the other uh, is she a medical examiner or a cop in the morgue i, I don't know the Scrap one well, yeah. yeah that was a cop the, yeah, the one she, once she says yeah. buy me a scrapple sailor so i wanted to ask our uh you know our, our Baltimore, baltimorean baltimore our steam baltimorean to explain what scrapple oh, is possibly God. it's like a mystery breakfast meat uh some kind of a part of a pig but yeah they love it um <laughs> and they love it it's uh it's a bug patty right it's the same thing as like you know it's like what they ate on snowpiercer Except for its pig and not bugs. <laughs> Traditionally, yeah. a mush of pork scraps and trimmings combined with cornmeal and wheat flour, often buckwheat flour and spices. The mush is formed into a semi-solid set loaf and slices of the scrapple are then pan-fried before serving. So, kind of like a American haggis, right? I think that that's fitting. Yeah, and you might get it with some eggs and, you know, an English muffin and maybe a little natty bow served you know if you're drinking in the morning um wait what's yeah, natty bio uh that is the national bohemian beer it it's oh. the uh the winking guy that some hipsters have as a tattoo on their arm you know the oh, guy God. with the mustache no. winking no i don't um, know that but maybe I, and i guess ooh. it used to be baltimore based but now like all weird commercial american beer i think it's made in milwaukee um and uh mm-hmm. um like there are still like, I think there was like a De Beers or a Zales ad with like a natty like a, a stick figure with a natty bow guy head, head bending yeah. on one knee like Baltimore hun you gonna propose this natty <laughs> bow guy and like you know so um, and the other thing is yeah I mean I. Did you guys think she was flirting with him? Like the sailor? Yeah, it felt like it. It was, yeah, there's something fucky going on. 
little band. It was the mutual charm, perhaps. Yeah. 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 So is Nat, Natty Bo's not the, like, they drink, there's a couple shots of people drinking a certain bottle of beer throughout this episode, and I could not tell what kind of beer that was. Did you happen no, to catch oh, what uh, it was? Wait, shots in, like, where they do shot in the beer or shot in the beer? There's just a couple of shots of beer bottles, like, in the, there's a couple scenes where people are drinking out of a bottle. I, I didn't recognize the bottle. I didn't know if that I was. Came, uh, I, I came unprepared. That's um, no, but I mean, not I that important. Let's be honest. It's yeah. not important, literally at all. Yeah. It's not important, literally at all. If you guys do visit Baltimore, um, someday. The, uh, first of all, uh, Fadley's. They mentioned that in a food yeah. sense. Yeah, that is in Lexington Market, which supposedly dates to like the pre-Revolutionary War period. Mm. Um, you know, it has a lot some Baltimore vibes to it on the outside, certainly in the sense of human misery. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, that's that's also where McNulty had his kids track Stringer Bell that like indoor kind of oh, yeah, thing. Market. And they'll give you and they have like Natty Bow on tap and they'll give you like uh you know, these like shucked six oysters and they'll slice the hard boiled egg for you and um it's uh it's a treat. There's you know, there, there's a lot of I I genuinely like Baltimore. Like it's I yeah. want a pit be- every time I hear him talk about pit beef, I'm like, Oh, that sounds fucking great. I just want or I blue just, crabs. Blue crabs sound. I just a great. beef a beef sandwich with lots of horseradish sounds fucking amazing. To yeah, me right now yeah, that's dope. Yeah, when you grow up drinking or so when you grow up eating Dungeness crab, which are a delicious crab, but it's it's a it's a lot of work. Like a a Dungeness crab is like a a duck compared to like a blue crab's uh fucking commercial chicken. You know, like there's so much more. It's like a duck. Well, have you ever, have you ever like gotten like a duck compared to a chicken that's been bred specifically for eating? Like, there's so much more meat on a chicken, and it's so much easier to get off. I oh, hundred percent. Like, Every time I have a duck, I'm just like, why did I get a duck? Yeah, there's not. Is that what you mean? Yeah, they're built. Yeah, ducks are built for you know being Sport. animals that move around and yeah. uh, do stuff. Whereas One time a though, I had a Peking like a duck when I was a sandwich. kid. I, I had like a really crispy Peking duck, and I was it's like, delicious. Oh my, it just makes really you work good. for the meat. Yeah. No, it should have been a fatter duck, but I remember being surprised at how good the duck was. And no, then one time I amazing. tried to get, have duck again, and it was uh, a gamey, disgusting bird. And mm-hmm. I was like, we shouldn't eat ducks. We should only pet them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, if I had to give this episode <laughs> any sorts of grades, uh, I think I would give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode if you had to give yeah, it a Yeah, you know, a tough choice. Like I said, uh, great episode great. of... One of my favorite One seasons. Um, shows obviously, I, and therefore I got to give it uh, the the highest grade I can think of, which is a solid B plus. Wow, surprising, Daniel <laughs> Marins. What would you give this episode if you had to give it a letter grade? Um, you know, I I don't really believe in grades, but Same. I think um, I like to write a written evaluation and stuff. Okay, yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I thought that the aesthetics were an A and the content was also an A, but I'm going to have to give it a, a B plus as well. Okay. You know? So we're going to, we're going to and... give this a B plus all around. That means it was a solid B plus episode of the wire and a solid a plus, 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 plus episode of pod yourself. The Wire. Daniel Marins, thank you so much for coming on and talking about The Wire with us. 
Um, yeah, you're very welcome. Anytime. <laughs> and if Working, I can make yeah. a recommendation, please, uh, <laughs> for your next show, the next show that you guys rewatch. Yes. You know, obviously there are some, some good candidates, things like the Americans, Mad sure. Men, sure. some people might be more of a Breaking Bad variety. Sure. But lately, I have been watching the uh, breezy and self-contained in every episode and somewhat dated show that's available on Hulu called L.A. Law. Mm. And let me tell you, young Jimmy Smith, he can really win a yeah. trial. And um, there are some great, like, saxophone stuff and the theme music. Stuff. So. Maybe, maybe LA Law. <laughs> There's also a Northern Exposure just hit streaming, which uh, I've, I like have very distant but slightly fond memories of uh, from childhood. But I'd like to revisit as that soon, one. Also, I, I here's my thing. As soon as I don't know when this is going to happen, but as soon as Homicide, Life on the Street, hits streaming, this podcast will pivot to that show i don't know when it'll be in the middle of another show <laughs> i'm certain but i if we're gonna do another crime show or at least another detective show uh i i'm very excited for that because i think you know that's one of those shows that uh if you haven't watched it you're gonna want to watch it you know what i mean and i'm one of those people i've never seen yeah it. same same uh daniel where can people find your work you can search my name in HuffPost and you'll see my author page, or you can first name, last name, Twitter, Daniel Marins. I'm still calling it Twitter, baby. I'm not, I'm not, uh, Hell yeah. you know, no, I'm not giving in to the uh, peer pressure or Fuck the that. corporate brand pressure. So Hell no. yeah, that's, and that's M-A-R-A-N-S. It's a, un, uh, perhaps not super intuitively spelled name. But it's a great name, and you're a great journalist, and this is a great guest. Thank you, Daniel, so much for coming on. Thank you for joining us. Wires. Patreon.com slash broadcast. The $8 tier gets you a shout-out and a street name. Vince, mm. it is time for you to put on your street name cap. It's on. It's all, yeah. It's more of a do-rag, but I got yeah, it. Put on that do-rag and do right by our patrons. Mm, so we have do-rag. Mm -hmm. We have five names. Uh, first is John Gawait. Gawait. I think it's Gawalt. Oh, Gawalt. Sorry. I have to... yeah. It is. That's an L. John yeah. Gawalt. More like John Galt. We're finding out who he is. This We're calling this guy Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand, all right. Uh, and Ayn Rand, and Rand so far. All right. Uh, Peter Gorman is our next name. Peter Gorman. Um, yeah, we call this guy Pete the Meat. Pete the Meat. Peter for Dick. Dick <laughs> Gore. Um, that's great. Uh, next is Samuel Poirier. Poirier. Samuel Poirier. Poirier, this guy's fucking more like Poirot. Call this guy. You, you're doing great. No, That's, no, no that was no. good. No, I had an idea that I can't say. Oh, yeah, okay. Because it's an F slur. Yeah, don't say it. At the beginning it. of Agatha Christie. Um, <laughs> we'll just call this guy 
Christy, not the thing that there I was thinking of. There we go. <laughs> Very good. You stopped yourself from destroying our lives. Uh, two more names. Uh, Sid Splendor. Spend, Dude, Spendler. You, Spendler. Spendler. I'm Sid, sorry. I am tired. Sid Spendler is just, that's a good name. It is. Sid Spendler. Oh, man. Yeah. Real spendthrift. Um, yeah. Splend your money on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, calling this guy Ghostbuster because he sounds like Spangler. It does sound like Spangler. Mm-hmm. Very last name, David Murr. David Murr. Muir. Maybe it's, Muir. Like maybe it's Muir David Muir, like John Muir. We call this guy the natural. No, we call this guy Nature Boy. The Nature Boy David Muir. I love it, Nature Boy. Thank you all. I'm going to pretend one of those was a woman just because. Okay. Which one? I, I don't know. One of Let's them. Let's go with Sid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sydney Sweeney. Yeah, there you go. Oh, shit. Speaking of fucks and blondes. Mm. Wobble, 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 wobble. <laughs> Anyways, uh, patreon.com slash I, I do not sanction his horniness because I would never. You, you would know, never I be horny. I only you think never, of her as an actress, not as. You would never say wobble, wobble, wobble. Mm-hmm. Wibble. Yeah. No. Nope. Wibble, wobble in whatever way. Wibble all the way. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash broadcast for uh, the $8 tier. It gets you your shout out. Uh, you, uh, subscribe and you get all these episodes early and you get uh, the broadcast. You get everything else we do. It's what you need to do. Ad free everything. Do it now. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. We really do have to do that mailbag episode. I know, and we will. And we will, because we want to hear your voices. We want to read your mailbags. But soon we will. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, that's not man. Major crimes, austerities killing me. And I am back at home aside, trying to find a way to catch Marlowe Stanfield. I'm at the Gorin Nurse, and it's revealed that you can
name is Brandon Boyd. Flat, 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 beats and salesman Lenoid. Everyone knows I was in Incubus, and then I went and started a podcast. I think it was about true crime or something. I don't know. I'm trying to remember what I don't think, but he lives in Malibu. Everyone knows that I eat no Daniel, say uh, say some words, and Vince and I will be quiet. Just just say a bunch of stuff real quick. Razor on the radio. <laughs> Beautiful. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.